Chapter 17 Snowman, come on, that's not funny. Heather stared into his dark eyes, studied his face, looking for a hint that he was teasing. But his face revealed nothing. His eyes were like glass, dark and secretive. He looked back at her coolly, watching her reaction, showing no emotion at all. Cold as ice. You're joking, right? Heather's leg suddenly felt weak. She leaned against the car hood. Snowman shifted his weight, then moved in front of her. A black car pulled into the lot, cruising slowly past the darkened stores. Snowman watched his progress, his features tensing. He didn't relax until the car had passed them and was pulling out of the lot. No, I'm not joking, he said quietly. Why would I joke about something like that? Listen, Snowman, enough. I handled him for you, Heather. But I didn't, I mean... It was so easy, Snowman said, smiling for the first time. A look of disappointment shaded his face when she didn't smile back. This is the grossest joke, she said. It wasn't true. It couldn't be true. Stop saying that it's a joke, he snapped, bending his head and rubbing the back of his neck. I handled him, like I said. But come on. You always think it's going to be hard, but it never is, he said, studying her face. It never is, she thought. Has he done this before? I knocked on the front door. Then I just waited on the porch. He saw me, stepped out, and gotcha. Snowman tugged hard at his scarf, as if demonstrating. It was that easy. Heather felt sick. She realized she was starting to tremble all over. The parking lot began to tilt and spin. I use this red scarf, Snowman said, talking calmly, nonchalantly, as if telling her about a sports play he had seen or a movie. I just tightened it around his neck. It was a real soft scarf, real wool, so it didn't leave any mark. Snowman, please, stop. Everyone will think he had a heart attack. They won't look for anything else. No problem. He smiled at her reassuringly. She looked down at the car hood. She was gripping the door handle so tightly her hand hurt. Why do you look so upset, he asked, putting a hand on her shoulder. She shivered. Your problems are over, Heather. You should be happy. He put his hand under her chin and raised her head, forcing her to look at him. You should be happy. I, I thought you'd be happy. She pulled away. He lowered his hand, his expression more bewildered than hurt. He's crazy, she thought. He really doesn't understand why I'm upset. He just killed my uncle, murdered him in cold blood, and he expects me to be happy and thank him. Tell me this is all a stupid joke, she said, her voice trembling. Come on, Heather. I guess you're from Missouri. What do you mean? It's the show-me state. I guess you won't believe me till I show you. She stood staring at him. Her mouth felt dry. It was hard to swallow. I'm going to be sick, she thought. Suddenly, all of the smells in the air, all the smells around her became exaggerated. She could smell the french fry grease in her hair. She could smell the oil vapors from a puddle of motor oil on the parking lot near her feet. What's happening to me, she thought. Come on, unlock the car, Snowman said cheerfully. Let's go to your house. Let's go see if her uncle has had that fatal heart attack or not. Her hand was shaking so badly she had trouble unlocking the car door. Sighing loudly, she slid behind the wheel, grateful to be sitting down. Can I drive, she wondered. Her heart was pounding so hard the blood was throbbing in her forehead. Snowman tapped the window on the passenger side. Come on, open up. I shouldn't let him in, she thought. I should drive off without him. But she pulled up the door lock. He opened the door and climbed in quickly. The car started on the third try. Okay, let's bomb out of here, he said enthusiastically. Why is he putting me on like this, Heather wondered. Why does he think it's funny to continue this dreadful joke? It is a joke. It has to be. He didn't really kill Uncle James, did he? Chapter 18 
Heather's front yard seemed to be flickering on and off. First, she could see the snow illuminated in pink. Then everything went black, then pink, then black. It took her a long while to realize that the flashing light was on top of the square white ambulance, and the square white ambulance was parked at the head of the driveway. Oh, no. She took a deep breath, pulled the car to the curb, and jumped out without even turning off the ignition. The porch light was on, casting its cone of yellow light onto the uniformed men who seemed to be huddled on the front porch, frozen there like shadowy statues, not moving at all. As Heather ran up the drive, she began to hear their muted voices. She saw that they were bent over something. A body. Her uncle's body. No, no. And there was her aunt in the doorway. Her aunt was waving to her, her hand high in the air. What was that in her aunt's hand? It was a handkerchief. The body was covered with a sheet. The yellow porch light made everyone seem out of focus. Strange. Aunt Belle continued to wave, even though Heather had acknowledged it. Heather ran as fast as she could, her sneakers slipping on the slushy snow, as she crossed the yard and ran onto the porch, joining the shadowy figures, joining the unreal scene in the yellow light. And then Aunt Belle was reaching up and wrapping Heather in her arms, and crying. She feels so bony, Heather thought. What a strange thing to be thinking about. But what are you supposed to be thinking about when your uncle is lying dead on the porch and you know that your boyfriend killed him? He went suddenly, Aunt Belle said, burying her face in Heather's shoulder, holding on to Heather so tightly she couldn't breathe. At least it was quick. That's what I keep telling myself. Aunt Belle, when did it happen? Heather asked. Her aunt smelled like lilacs from the toilet water she used. Heather had never noticed it before. That's the way he always wanted to go, Aunt Belle said, not hearing Heather's question. He always said, when I go, I want to go quickly. So I'm glad he got his wish. I'm just so sorry it happened so early. She broke down into loud sobs and would have fallen if Snowman hadn't stepped from behind Heather and caught her. I'm so sorry, he said softly, holding onto Heather's aunt. I'm so sorry. Heather realized she had forgotten all about Snowman. Aunt Belle was crying into his shoulder now, and he was talking to her in a low, soothing voice. Suddenly, his eye caught Heather's. His expression chilled her to the bone. It wasn't an expression of remorse. It wasn't an expression that said, Sorry, I've caused your aunt this pain. It was an expression of triumph, of amusement. I told you so. That's what Snowman's face was saying. I told you so, but you wouldn't believe me. He's a murderer, she thought, and for the first time, she thought she understood what people meant when they said a cold-blooded murderer. We were finishing dinner, Aunt Belle said, still sobbing. He thought he heard a knock on the door. I didn't even hear it. He got up and went to see, and then he didn't come back. Maybe you should go in and sit down, Snowman said gently, glancing at Heather. That's where I found him. He went just like that, so quick. It was so quick. Looks like cardiac arrest, one of the white-uniformed men said. Mark this DOA, Mitch. He stood up and straightened his coat, walking up to Aunt Belle, who was still clinging to Snowman. He went real quick, didn't he? Aunt Belle asked. She sounds like a little girl, Heather thought. She could smell something burning, some kind of meat. It was probably coming from next door. We have to go now, the paramedic said quietly. But what about James? Aunt Belle asked, not looking down at the covered corpse of her husband. We can't move it, or him, the man said. Do you have a funeral parlor? They will come out and pick him up for you. Well, no. Heather's aunt started to fall apart again. I don't know. We, I mean, I... Come inside, Snowman said, holding her around the shoulders. Come inside and sit down. Heather and I will help you make the arrangements. You're a nice boy, Aunt Belle said, leaning against him, allowing him to guide her into the living room. The words sickened Heather. A nice boy. He was a murderer. A cold-blooded murderer. He had killed Uncle James, and here he was, saying soothing things to Aunt Belle, leading her into the house with his murderous hands wrapped around her. Sorry, the paramedic said to Heather. They had gathered all their equipment. Heads down, the two of them stepped out of the eerie yellow light, 
into the flashing pink and black night and walked quickly back to the ambulance. Forcing down a wave of nausea, Heather stared at a covered corpse at her feet. Is that really Uncle James, she thought. Is it possible that I'm never going to have to see him again? Never going to hear that high-pitched voice taunting me again? She was tempted to pull back the sheet to look at him one more time. I've never seen a dead body, she thought. Uncle James is lying here, dead on the porch. I hated him so much. I wished him dead a million times. I dreamed about it. I fantasized about it. Is that why I'm not glad? Because I feel so guilty? Is that why I feel so sick? No, that isn't why. Uncle James is lying here dead at my feet, and his murderer is sitting in the living room with my aunt. His murderer. My boyfriend. My boyfriend. The murderer. Oh, she moaned aloud. Moving unsteadily to the door, Heather stumbled on the sheet, and the sheet unfurled at the top. Uncle James stared up at her, wide-eyed, his face yellow-orange in the porch light. His thin-lipped mouth was wide open, frozen in a look of horror and surprise. He stared up accusingly at Heather, his eyes as blank and cold as... Snowman's. No! Heather tore open the door and lurched inside, not stopping to pull the sheet back over her uncle's face. In the brightly lit living room, Aunt Bell was on the couch, crying softly into a handkerchief. Snowman sat on the other end of the couch, his hands folded in his lap. Heather stepped reluctantly into the room, trying to clear her head, trying to think of what to do. I have to get Snowman out of here. No, I have to call the police. He can't get away with this. Everyone has to know that he killed my uncle. No, I have to get him away from here first. Then I'll be able to think of how to handle this. Handle this? I handled your uncle. She could hear Snowman out in the parking lot. I handled your uncle. He said it with such ease, such pride. I, I'll get the phone book, Heather said. I'll find a funeral parlor. If I can concentrate on practical matters, on getting things done, I won't think about Snowman, Heather decided, and I'll be able to get through this. Maybe. She found a funeral parlor, phoned it, and arranged for her uncle's body to be picked up. Then she made a pot of tea and served some to Aunt Belle and to Snowman and herself. The tea warmed her a little. Her trembling stopped. But she felt a stab of fear every time she looked at Snowman and saw him staring back at her. It's getting so late, she said, after the men had come and carried Uncle James's corpse into their van. Would you like to go to bed, Aunt Belle? Her aunt shook her head. I think I'll just sit here for a while. Why don't you go on up, Heather? I'll be fine. Aunt Belle turned to Snowman, who was still seated beside her on the couch, and squeezed his hand. You've been so nice, Bill. Thank you. No need to thank me, Bill said softly. He stood up. I'll come by tomorrow and see if you need anything. He started to the door, picking up his overcoat, which he had draped over an armchair. Heather followed him to the front hallway. I can't believe you stayed around, she whispered angrily, his eyes wide in surprise. What? You can't get away with this, Heather said, forcing herself to keep her voice low enough that Aunt Paul wouldn't hear. You're crazy. You're really crazy. You need help. Now he looked hurt. I don't understand. Shh. Lower your voice. I don't want her to hear. Heather, I don't understand. That's the problem, Snowman, or Bill, or whoever you really are. You murdered someone. You murdered my uncle, and you think you didn't do anything wrong. But, Heather, come on. I did it for you. Don't say that. I mean it. But you hated him. You told me you hated him. You told me you wished he was dead. You said it all the time. But that doesn't mean you should go do it, Heather cried, feeling herself start to lose control. Sure, I hated him, but you can't just kill people. You'll feel better tomorrow, Snowman said, leaning against the wooden banister. No, I won't, Heather said, shutting her eyes, seeing her uncle's yellow staring face again. No, I won't feel better. You don't, you just don't understand, do you, Snowman? You killed my uncle. You waited out there and you murdered him. Yeah, so I have to call the police. What? I have to call the police. I don't have a choice, he laughed. It was a cold laugh, a laugh she'd never heard from him before. Why on earth are you laughing? You can't call the police, he said, still laughing. There's no way you can call the police.
Chapter 19 What do you mean I can't call the police? Heather demanded, hating the smug smile on Snowman's face. All I have to do is walk over to the phone and dial 911. Snowman started to answer her, but Aunt Belle interrupted, surprising them by appearing behind them in the hallway. I think I will go up to my room, she said, her eyes red and watery. I probably won't be able to sleep, but I'd like to lie down. Heather and Snowman said goodnight to her, and both watched in silence as she made her way up the stairs. When she was in her room, Heather walked back into the living room, her arms crossed over her chest. She pressed her arms against herself tightly, as if trying to hold herself together. She knew she had to hold herself back or she would go roaring out of control. She felt like screaming, screaming her lungs out or tearing something apart. Snowman walked coolly into the room, his expression still smug, almost pleased with himself. So, what makes you think I won't go to the police? She repeated her question, forcing her voice to remain steady. You can't, Snowman said, because of this. He reached into the pocket of his flannel shirt and held up a rectangular sheet of green paper. What's that? Don't you recognize it, Heather? It's the check. The check you wrote me for $2,000. What about it? Heather felt confused. What did the check have to do with her not being able to report him to the police? He grinned at her, a very pleased, self-satisfied grin. If you turn me into the police, I show them this check. And? And I tell them this is what you paid me to murder your uncle. No! Heather hadn't meant to scream so loudly. She didn't want to disturb Aunt Belle, but she couldn't help herself. He planned it. He planned it all. He tricked me into writing that check so that he could implicate me in the murder that he planned to commit. How could he be so evil, she thought. Why would the police believe a story like that, she asked, suddenly more angry than upset. Heather, get real. Why wouldn't they believe it? Here's a check made out to me for $2,000. It had to be a payoff. Why else would you give me all that money? But you know why I give it to you, Heather cried. For your brother. Snowman's face filled with amusement. Well, he said, you'd better not tell the police that story. I don't have a brother. You, you don't? No. And I don't have a mother who's a nurse. And I don't go to your stupid high school. So nothing was true, Heather said, sitting down on the arm of the nearest chair, feeling a little dazed. One thing is true, he said. He held up the check. This is true. This check made out to me is true. It's my insurance policy. It's my insurance that you'll never say a word to anyone about me. He tucked the check back into his shirt pocket. I'm keeping it forever, he said. Right here, right by my heart. That check is no kind of proof, Heather said, realizing she sounded desperate. The police will believe me if I tell them the truth. No, they won't, Snowman said, slipping into his overcoat. Everyone knows you hated your uncle. Even your best friends would testify to that. Now wait. Everyone has seen you fight with him. Everyone has heard you say you wished you were dead. You must have said it a million times, Heather. The police will believe that you paid me to kill him. There's no way they wouldn't believe me. He buttoned the coat calmly, slowly, watching her horrified reaction to what he was saying, enjoying it. So forget about the police, Heather. Wipe that idea from your head. That thought is dead, right? As dead as dear old Uncle James. Just go away, Heather said bitterly. She turned her back on him. Go away before I scream. We're in this together, he said, walking to the front door. Don't forget that, Heather. We're in it together. Chapter 20 The funeral on Saturday was held in a small chapel on North Side near the cemetery. The room was nearly filled with people, most of them around Heather's uncle's age. She was genuinely surprised to see that he had so many friends, so many people who cared enough about him to come to his funeral. Aunt Belle, looking pale in her black dress and even more frail than ever, 
held herself together through the service, dabbing at her eyes with a tissue held in a shaky hand. Heather sat beside her on the bench, occasionally reaching over to squeeze her aunt's hand reassuringly or slip her another tissue. I'm so sorry, a voice said. Heather looked up to see Kim standing above her. Kim's eyes searched Heather's face as if trying to determine how upset Heather was. Hi, thanks for coming, Heather said quietly. Everyone seemed to be whispering this morning. They're afraid they might wake up Uncle James and no one wants him back. She scolded himself for having such an evil thought. But it was hard to control your mind at a funeral, she was discovering. It kept jumping around, thinking the most unpredictable things. Maybe we can talk later, Kim said, and walked up the aisle to take a seat near the back. Waiting for the service to begin, finding it hard to sit still, Heather turned back to see who else was in the chapel. She was surprised to see Ben sitting on the aisle a few rows behind her. She nodded to him and mouthed the word hi. He gave her a wave. He looked very uncomfortable. Even wore a tie, Heather thought. She realized she wanted to talk to Ben. She needed to talk to Ben. Offer my condolences. A voice broke into Heather's thoughts, made her turn back to the front. Snowman was standing in front of her, wearing a dark shirt buttoned all the way up to the collar and dark brown corduroy trousers. He was leaning down, talking quietly to Aunt Belle. Heather felt all of her muscles tighten in anger. How can he have the nerve to show up here? How can the murderer come to the funeral? What is he trying to prove? Heather had trouble swallowing. Her throat suddenly felt dry. Her hands were ice cold. She wanted to jump up and strangle Snowman, choke away that phony look of concern from his face. To her horror, Aunt Belle patted the empty spot on the bench beside her, inviting Snowman to sit down. Look at him, Heather thought, filled with revulsion, watching the solemn, sympathetic look on Snowman's face as he sat down on the other side of her aunt. Look, he's one of the family. How sickening. She had the sudden impulse to lean over and whisper to Aunt Belle that Snowman had murdered her husband. She had the impulse to jump up and stand in front of everyone and announce that Snowman was a murderer, a cold-blooded murderer. He leaned forward, his hands gripping the bench seat, and smiled at her. She angrily turned her head. The minister came out, and the room grew quiet. Heather stared at the open coffin to the left of the minister. The coffin was draped with white carnations. Uncle James's head poked up, roged pink and shiny through the carnations. I really did hate him, Heather thought. I really did want him to die, but I didn't want him killed. The minister droned on. His voice echoed off the walls of the small chapel. Heather didn't hear a word, he said. Staring at the pink head of her uncle, she tried to think of what she should do now, what she should do about Snowman. It was a raw, gray afternoon. Standing in the cemetery, watching the casket being lowered into the ground, Heather thought she was about to freeze to death. I'm as cold as Uncle James, she thought, jamming her hands into the pockets of her blue wool coat, trying to stop shivering. More carnations were tossed into the grave. The minister had more to say. His words seemed to catch in the frozen air. The sounds never reached Heather's ears. Then everything became a slow-motion blur. People coming up to offer condolences, handshakes, and hugs. Quiet testimony from friends and strangers about how untimely Uncle James's death was. Heather stood beside her aunt, her arm round the little woman's narrow waist, trying to offer support, trying to help her through this long, cold, dreary afternoon. When Snowman came up to her, Heather turned away again. She saw Ben standing on the walk on the other side of the grave and hurried over to him. Hi, she said with a shiver. Hi, he repeated, still looking as uncomfortable as he had inside. You wore a tie, she said, reaching up and giving the knot a tug. My mom made me, he said. How are you doing? Okay, Heather rocked up and down on her shoes. I hated my uncle, but this is sad. Sad for your aunt, Ben said, brushing his hair back off his forehead. Heather turned back and saw that Snowman had taken her place beside Aunt Belle. 
Now he had his arm around her waist and was shaking hands with people who came up to them. I'd like to kill him, Heather said. What did you say? Ben stared at her, his face filled with concern. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to talk aloud. Heather could feel her face getting hot. Could we, uh, talk later? Yeah, good. Ben gave her a shy smile. I'll call you tomorrow, okay? Sounds good. I want to tell you about how Snowman murdered my uncle and how he says he'll implicate me in the murder if I go to the police. That's what Heather wanted to say, but she knew she couldn't. Instead, she gave Ben a quick, awkward kiss on the cheek and hurried back to pull her aunt out of Snowman's clutches. Heather saw the black Taurus pull up the driveway. She had been staring out the front window, pressing her forehead against the glass. It was a little after seven in the evening. The few people who had come to the house after the funeral for cake and coffee had left. Aunt Belle went out to her room to lie down. Heather felt both weary and keyed up at the same time, completely out of sorts. Her mind kept flitting from thought to thought. Strange, unconnected memories. Complicated fantasies. Like a bee hopping from flower to flower, never resting in any one place for more than a second. The cold, gray images of the funeral kept playing again and again in her mind, and through the gray thoughts, the bright pink head of her uncle appeared, like a flowering weed sprouting out through the concrete sidewalk. And then everything faded to white, and she realized the white was the color of Snowman's hair. And then, standing at the window, trapped by her thoughts, unable to push the sad, frightening pictures from her mind, she saw the yellow headlights move across the lawn. She saw the car pull up the drive, and she realized it was a black Taurus. The same black Taurus that had followed her and frightened her that night? She opened the front door to two men in almost identical gray overcoats. They both were hatless despite the frigid night. Both had wavy brown hair cut very short. Both were wearing almost identical, short, trimmed brown mustaches and identical serious looks. Can I help you? She called through the glass storm door. Are they twins? She wondered. What can they be selling? The taller one pulled an ID card the size of a credit card out of his pocket and held it up at the door. FBI, miss, he said. His mouth didn't seem to move under his mustache. Both men stared straight ahead at Heather without blinking. Can we come in? Uh, why? We just have a couple of questions to ask about someone you may know. It's been a long day, Heather said. A bit of an understatement. Do you think you could come back? It will only take a minute or two. Promise, the taller one said. His partner nodded. Neither of them had blinked yet. Heather reluctantly unlocked the storm door, and they stepped into the front hall, carefully wiping their black-winged tip shoes on the mat. I'm Special Agent Forbes, and this is Special Agent Mackey. He held up his ID card again, but lowered it before Heather could really read it. Are they putting me on? Heather wondered. They certainly looked like FBI men. They were both such straight arrows, but they were a little too perfect, Heather thought. Do you know a boy named William Jeffers? The one named Forbes asked. I don't believe it, Heather thought. Snowman actually told us his real name. Were you the ones who followed me after work the other night? Heather asked. The question just tumbled out. Yes, Forbes answered quickly, reaching up to scratch inside of his mustache. Sorry if we alarmed you. Why did you follow me? Heather asked. We had reason to believe you know William Jeffers. We followed you to find out where you lived. We didn't want to bother you at your job. Thank you, Heather said sarcastically. You scared me to death. She was thinking hard, trying to decide how much to tell these two men. If they are FBI, she thought, I don't want to tell them anything. I don't want to help them, because then Snowman will show them the check. My life will be ruined. Those words ran through her mind. My life will be ruined because of that creep. Who did you want to ask me about? She decided to pretend she didn't know him. William Jeffers. She pretended to think about it, then shook her head. No, sorry. I don't know anyone by that name. He's tall. About a head taller than you. He has white hair, Forbes said, staring into her eyes, studying her face. 
Mackie coughed and cleared his throat several times. White hair, hmm. Maybe they've seen me with him, Heather thought. I better not play too dumb. They'll know I'm lying. Hey, a boy with white hair came into the restaurant, she said, pretending to suddenly remember. It was weird. His hair, I mean. When was that? Forbes asked. A couple of weeks ago, I guess. And have you seen him since? Uh, yeah. He waited for me after work one night. He tried to pick me up. Did you go out with him? No. I told him to go away, and he went away. I've never seen him again. Are you sure? Mackie asked, speaking for the first time. Yeah, I'm sure. He was kind of creepy, I think. What did you say his name was? Jeffers. William Jeffers. He didn't tell me his name, Heather said. She wondered if they were buying her story. Neither of them had changed her expression. They both stared at her, their faces like masks, revealing nothing. Is there anything else you can tell us about William Jeffers? Forbes asked. Heather pretended to think hard. I better tell them something, she thought. Yeah, he was wearing an old-fashioned type overcoat. Very big. Very fifties. That's about all I remember about him. Except for the fact that he murdered my uncle and will tell you I paid him to do it if you tried to catch him, she thought, suddenly feeling very tired. And you only saw him that one night at the restaurant. Yeah, just that night, Heather lied. She heard a creaking noise upstairs. She hoped Aunt Belle wasn't coming down. Having two FBI agents in the house would really upset her. And how could Heather ever explain? Sorry to intrude, Forbes said, bowing his head somberly. I know there's been a death in the family. We won't keep you any longer, Mackie added, pushing open the storm door. A blast of cold air invaded the entranceway. If you see him again, please call this number, Forbes said, handing her a small card. Okay, Heather said, starting to feel relieved that they were leaving. She didn't know how much longer she could go on lying to them. Oh, how come you're looking for him, she asked. Murder, Forbes said quietly. He killed his father.